Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. This is Kevin Klein here. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. I hope Santa filled your stockings and your tree with all kinds of fun Dodgers, World Series, and in general memorabilia. So I hope you're all doing well. We got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Normally we talk all Dodgers, but this is going to be a more NL West Central focused show. You'll see what I mean in a second. Jake Reiner, how you doing? I'm good, Kevin. Good. Good to see you guys again. Um, this offseason, as we've been reporting, has been pretty slow, although the last couple of days it's heated up quite a bit with the San Diego Padres and everyone on Twitter, especially the Padres fans, are already declaring them the World Series champions. I've never seen a franchise win more non-championships in my lifetime. But here we are, and I'm ready to discuss. Let's talk about Tommy Canely real quick to start the show. David Rosenthal, what are your thoughts on the addition of Canely to the Dodgers? What's up, Kevin? What's up, Jake? Uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, it's, a good, it's a good signing. Obviously, we're not going to see him in 2021, uh, but what this is is basically a, a 2022 signing. Uh, they're going to give him 750k to rehab this year, uh, and then I believe around $3 million in 2022. So basically, this just shores up the bullpen in 2022. Uh, And basically him and Caleb Ferguson, who's probably going to miss all of 2021 as well, uh, will be back in 2022. So, I mean, it's a great future signing. This is what Andrew Friedman does. Uh, He's not just looking at this year. He's looking at the future. Uh, And unfortunately, you can't say the same for Padres GM, uh, but we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah, I have to ask you guys and be honest do you remember canely with the rockies because i don't no i i thought he only pitched for the yankees and i was surprised to find out that he pitched for other teams but he has definitely made his a name for himself in new york yeah he's been really good with the i i do remember him a little bit uh yeah i, I mean i remember him a little bit in colorado he obviously wasn't very good in colorado i think his era and, and earned runs were, were pretty high uh, but obviously he's made the name for himself in New York. Uh, I think he was with the White Sox for a little bit as well, but uh, it's a good signing. He's really, he's really come on the past couple of years. Yeah. His yeah. 2019 numbers were, were really incredible. Those were where he set a bunch of career highs. One of the interesting stats that I found out is that he struck out 67 batters with his changeup in 2019, which led all major league relievers, which that's a, that's a really nice uh, upgrade. I'd say from Pedro Baez who yep. has a decent changeup. That's exactly a very good comp right there. And the Dodgers also made a trade today, shocking the world by acquiring <laughs> Garrett 
Clevenger, a left-handed pitcher in a Clevenger. Three- the Cleaver, the meat Cleaver. Cleaver. Okay, three-way trade involving the Tampa Bay Rays and the Philadelphia Phillies. The Dodgers are sending minor leaguer Dylan Paulson to the Rays. I don't know anything about him, and I don't know anything about Clevenger except that he's made a very brief stint in the majors, and he wasn't very good, but he will be on the 40-man roster, and he does have a couple minor league options. Yeah, so this is I'll, I'll give you some info on on Clevenger, the Cleaver. I'm I'm nicknaming him. Wow, uh, twenty. Yeah, I mean it's perfect. Uh, 2019 at Double A, 51 and two thirds innings with a four, 14.5 K per nine rate, 3.66 ERA and a 2.73 FIP. Uh, he did walk a lot of guys, but I think the most interesting thing, and I think this is why Friedman kind of pounced on this for for not giving up too much. Uh, his velo. Velocity spiked a little bit in 2019. He, he started the year around uh, 91, 92, 93, and then finished at 93, 94, 95, 96, 97. Uh, so I think he did actually hit 99 as well. Uh, so something's going on with the Cleaver. Uh, it's a good depth signing. I, I think he'll compete with Scott Alexander, Kalerik, those kind of guys for, for lefty relievers at some point, I'd guess, towards the middle of, of next year probably yeah i was reading up on him a little bit on uh, baseball america they were saying that his he has a really funky delivery and that it could lead to his uh, sort of wonky command issues so the dodgers definitely have the tools and the resources to help with his command but yeah there's a there's a funky delivery there um and but he uh has a power arm uh he is mid-90s fastball and so he's probably going to be uh, up in the bullpen at some point, I think in, in, in this season. I, I agree, especially with Ferguson down and a couple other question marks like Scott Alexander. I think you could see him uh, pretty soon here. Uh, and again, it's just another good depth signing, nothing to, you know, not going to make any big headlines. Uh, but those are the type of moves you can't sleep on when Andrew Friedman makes them. And I'll I know it's, it's the first uh, trade that Philly's new GM, Sam Fold, former major leaguer, has made. Uh, and he got Jose Alvarado in the deal. A lot of people are saying, oh, why didn't the Dodgers get this guy? Uh, you know, he throws 100, he's nasty, he's got a ton of movement. There's clearly some medical issues there. He wasn't able to pitch for the Rays in the playoffs. Uh, and I think the Phillies just took a chance because their bullpen is just atrocious. And interestingly enough, this trade actually helps the Padres in a weird way because the Rays needed to clear a 40 man roster spot. And so this three-way trade helped them do that and complete the Blake Snell trade. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Now the runner ups in the NL West and the NLDS exit San Diego Padres are making waves around major league baseball. They acquired what we imagine three major league players in the last two days. So the names of course are Blake Snell, you Darvish, and the shortstop, um, and I don't have his name up in front of me. If Kim. One of you guys ha Seong Kim, or Ha Song Kim. So there yep. we go. So let's start. Let's start with the first one real quick. The Padres acquired Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for right-handers Luis Patino, Cole Wilcox, and catchers Francisco Mejia and Blake Hunt. So obviously Blake Snell. We saw him in the World Series. He was phenomenal. He got the win for them in game two. He was dealing in game six. And then, of course, Austin Barnes ended his Tampa Bay Ray career in one base hit. And then Kevin Cash pulled him, and you know the story. 
So what are your guys' thoughts on this trade, first of all? Is this a good move for the Padres, or did they give up too much? Um, you know, it is a good move for the Padres. Did they give up a lot? Yes, they did. Uh, I was impressed that they were able to sign Cole Wilcox in the draft. He was a third-round pick, but only because peop- uh, teams didn't think he would sign. Uh, the Padres gave him the most money for a third-rounder in the history of the draft. Uh, this guy's going to be good. Uh, we know Patino has, is their, the highest prospect they gave away, and I've heard good things about Hunt, the catcher, as well. So did they give up uh, you know, a lot? And it's the Rays, so probably one or two of these guys is going to surprise and be phenomenal because that's just what the Rays do. But the Padres, have, are they're desperate, and they're not bad, but they are desperate to win. Uh, they're going all in uh, because they, they kind of have to. I mean, the Dodgers have won the division for, what, eight years in a row since 2013, uh, and it's it's what they have to do. The, the, the Preller is, is not a guy who's going to care about the future. We've seen him do this before. Every three or four years, they kind of blow up the team, go all in for whoever it is, whatever it costs. Uh, and it's it's a good move. I think it's a good move for both teams. Uh, the Padres are in a position where they simply have to do something like this, whereas the Dodgers can sit back and say, okay, welcome to the show finally. It took you about seven, eight years. Yeah, I definitely think that this was a move that the Padres definitely needed to make. Maybe not this one, but they, needed, they definitely needed to make a splash, and they made two splashes with uh, Darvish and Snell. But on the Snell side, I sort of thought that uh, obviously AJ Preller was watching the postseason from home because his Padres got knocked out by the Dodgers. And he was definitely keeping an eye on Blake Snell and how well he pitched against the Dodgers and probably thought to himself, gotta have this guy. If, yep. if he's able to carve up the Dodgers like this, we need someone like that in the NLS. The Padres are the only ones that are even in the conversation to take the, uh, to take away the NLS crown from the Dodgers. And so they feel that they're primed to do that. And I don't think it's going to happen this year for the Padres. I, you know, they, like David was saying, they tend to go all in a lot of the times and everyone loves to sing their praises, but then we got, we got to see how it works out on the field. That's, that's really what this is. World series aren't one on paper. And so I don't really think it's fair to say that they are now a world series contender. They're definitely a contender. And I think that they'll, that they'll make the playoffs, especially if they expand it. I mean, everyone's going to make the playoffs in that scenario, but I see this team making the making the playoffs as a wild card team for sure. But but what what we saw in the playoffs though is that the the Padres were a good team and they were limping into the playoffs because they didn't have any starting pitching. So they definitely needed to go and do that and get and create some depth there. And they did that. And and you know, hats off to them for that. So they get three years of control with Blake Snell, and they better hope this one really works out for them because Luis Patino is going to be really good. He is the 23rd overall prospect in Major League Baseball. He was third in the Padres farm system. He was now tipping at 99 miles per hour on his fastball. He also throws a changeup and slider. And when you give up a guy like that for someone in Snell who has had a little bit of injury history in the past, He did win a Cy Young Award in 2018, but I mean, even in 2020, they weren't allowing him to really go into deep into the sixth inning at all. I don't even think he had one quality start. And that goes back to 2019 as well. He is not a very, he's not a pitcher that will take you very deep into games. I don't know if that's going to change in San Diego, but you'd certainly have to have some concerns if possibly the Padres push him too hard, which reverts him back into the injury prone snow that he's kind of just been dealing with the last few seasons. 
But they didn't stop there. They also acquired a pitcher we just mentioned, Hugh Darvish, the former Dodger from the Chicago Cubs and what is kind of a head-scratching deal if you're a Cubs fan because they got Darvish and catcher Victor Caratini, who is Darvish's personal catcher. And then the Padres gave up Zach Davies, the soft-tossing righty who we did see in the playoffs, so we're kind of glad he's gone. But the it's just a bunch of young guys in their 18 to 20s. None of them are in the top 10 in the Padres farm system. I'm talking about shortstop prospects, Preciado, Santana, and outfielders, Owen Casey and Ismail Mania. So I don't know what the Cubs are doing here. They didn't get anyone good in return. Darvish is age 34, but he was the runner-up in the Cy Young race. And, I mean, he's a good pitcher. I don't know what the Cubs are doing. It, it felt like 20 – like after they won the World Series in 2016, I mean, that looked like a core there that, that was going to make runs every single season. And it just and, – and they've kept it somewhat intact, but that core is not produced. And it seems like – I mean, the Cubs made the playoffs. So, like, what what is – what is going on? I, I, I don't quite understand it. Um, but again, both Snell and Darvish come to the Padres and the Padres overall didn't really give up that much. They, they get to keep six of their top seven prospects. So AJ Preller pretty much fleeced the Cubs on this one. But like I was saying, you got to see how it plays out on the field. Darvish, as we know, has struggled with his injuries, as to, as has Snell. So, again, I'm not I'm not too worried about about these moves. We, we got to see what that what happens on the field. But again, like you know, the 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 Cubs were a playoff team. It looked like they you know only needed to add a few more pieces here and there. But it looks like they're selling everybody because I saw that they're that they're shopping the their other catcher, Contreras. Yeah, this was this one was this one was strange for me as well, man. I, I don't know what the Cubs are doing here. Obviously, it's finances related. Uh, I read they are going to pay a little bit of Darvish's contract too, so that's kind of head scratching given the prospect return they got. Uh, I don't know too much about any of these prospects. Uh, I mean, they could end up being good, but it seems like they could have got much better value uh, for the NL Cy Young runner-up. Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Theo Epstein stepped down this year. Uh, I mean, he's in what he's in his 40s. Uh, I think that the directive from the ownership of the Chicago Cubs, the Ricketts family is very clear uh, that they're going to be trying to cut down costs uh, at all costs. Uh, no player is safe. And I don't think Theo Epstein wanted to be a part of that. Uh, I think he's going to take, you know, a couple of years off, maybe maybe work in baseball somewhere. Who, who knows? Maybe be the future commissioner one day. Uh, but it's clear that the Cubs are, are just the, the ownership of the Cubs just wants no part of spending any kind of money, uh, which brings begs the question, uh, and I know Kevin's going to like this one, what will it cost for Chris Bryant? Uh, because if, if that return is for Darvish, and, and Bryant's only got a year left on his deal. Uh, so that, that I see Andrew Friedman, you know, have the, the laser eyes, you know, that meme on Twitter. I, I see him lasering in on that, a one-year yeah. deal. Friedman doesn't have to, you know, extend him, just have him for one year, right-handed bat to counter all these moves. Uh, you know, I, that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the Dodgers in a few moments, but back to the Padres. So we're looking at a rotation now of Snell, Darvish, Lamott, but there's some question marks there because we don't know what his health currently is. That's something worth discussing too. Chris Paddock, who I know David thinks is awful, 
so and bad. And then it's going to come down to – I think he's bad too. going to come down to <laughs> Joey Lucchese and whether Mackenzie Gore is ready. So right now Vegas is going pretty heavy on the Padres. They now are second to uh, win the World Series, I believe. It's also worth pointing out that Clevenger's out for the year. Yeah. Yes, Mike Clevenger, who is not good, is out for the year. <laughs> going to die on that hill for as long as i live yeah, you are yes that is a disastrous trade in, in its own right but well know, we talked about it they forced him into in pitching in the postseason and it may have wrecked him yeah so that glorious was a, that was head scratching I, I think he was on board with it but man i'd be mad if i was a padres fan <laughs> are you kidding they're sellers celebrating in the streets right now <laughs> Okay, here's what I just want to say real quick. The Padres are very good. Right now, I think they are the second best team in baseball. Uh, but they have to prove it to the Dodgers. They basically have to prove it. Until the Padres can beat the Dodgers, they are not better than the Dodgers. No matter who they add, if they add Babe Ruth, if they add Honus Wagner, if they add anyone, they're not better than the Dodgers until they beat the Dodgers. It's that simple. And please, please put Chris Paddock in your rotation. Please. Yeah, it's no, all of that. All no of secret, that. they hit him in the basement in the NLDS. I know. I love that. I love that point. The Padres fans like to make about Paddock somehow being better than Bueller. And Can I just it, read two tweets real quick that came across the internet, please? Yes. It'll be quick. Okay. Yes. From the same guy. I'm not going to reveal his ad, but it's, it's the same guy. Chris, this is to a Dodgers fan. Chris Paddock is the ace. You guys could never get Kershaw's career. Won't hand, won't hold a candle to the sheriffs. Once he's done. If you don't know the sheriff is Chris Paddock's self-imposed nickname second tweet the sheriff carries around a cannon on his hip actually looks like he's throwing 100 plus every pitch in person his fastball plays a lot faster than the gun says so apparently chris paddock's fastball is so good that radar guns can't even measure it properly yeah but bats are crushing it so what does that tell you this is delusional this is delusional talk here we're seeing chris paddock might be the most overrated pitcher in baseball and i can't wait to buy low on him in fantasy so we'll see how that works out (laughs) but one other point i want to make about you darvish is i think the media is hyping this acquisition up a little too much i mean oh my god yeah coming off nl central that couldn't seem to score runs to save their lives when you look at the cincinnati reds who i don't even know if they scored a run against the braves they had an atrocious offense during the regular season as well. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who are just bad, and now they gave away Josh Bell for nothing. And then the Milwaukee Brewers, who also had a laughable offense and couldn't. Yellich batted 206 or whatever. So until you Darvish proves it, he's going to a tougher division now, although the Giants and possibly Rockies are going to be terrible. Let's see how he does against the Dodgers five to six times a year, assuming it's a full season. You know, as you guys said, the Darvish, Snell, the Padres themselves, they need to prove it until we start talking them as better than the Dodgers. Yeah. And, and first, and I, that's a good point to make about his, the, the competition he was facing in, in 2020, mostly NL central and also AL central teams. Now there are some good offenses in the AL central that he faced, but some, some things that some, some people were pointing out was that he increased his cutter usage by 44%. Um, and apparently his cutter is a lot uh, less hittable than his very hittable fastball. And 
one in six hitters swung and missed at his cutter. He's also throwing more strikes. He threw uh, strikes for nearly 70% of the time. So his control is better. So he's improving upon things that ailed him in the past, but I just, I, I just wonder if he can stay healthy because when he, when he left the Dodgers and signed that monster contract with the Cubs, first of all, I was like, what are you doing Cubs? And I was super happy that the Dodgers didn't break the bank to re-sign him after what happened in the 2017 world series. Yes. You can account for cheating in Houston when he got destroyed in game three, but he also got destroyed in game seven at home. So I, I wasn't a huge fan of his, even when we traded for him, I thought the Dodgers should have gone after Verlander. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I, I feel that Darvish is not someone that you can fully count on. And so we'll see what happens. The Padres didn't have to give up a lot to get him. So it's not like they're, you know, going out of their minds to try and secure someone that isn't reliable. But I, I don't fully trust him. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like people are forgetting his first two years in Chicago. I mean, his first year was atrocious. I think he only pitched in eight games. He got hurt. Uh, his FIP was 4.86 in only 40 innings. It, it was bad. And his second year was just as bad. Uh, 31 starts, gave up 33 home runs uh, with a 4.18 FIP and a 110 ERA plus. Uh, I think I think this 2020 is getting overblown by something that Kevin said. They, he basically only pitched against NL Central teams, which were bad offensively, and AL Central teams, which, you know, except for the Twins and maybe the White Sox, were also bad offensively. Uh, I'm, you can't – Darvish is no sure thing. Uh, he's getting older. Uh, we've seen the health concerns, and we've seen his, his first two seasons in Chicago, which weren't good. Uh, and, I, you know, it's a good move because they kind of had to do something, you know, Clevenger insurance, whatever you want to call it, Lamott insurance. If he's not fully healthy, which these two moves indicate to me that he's not. Uh, but, you know, acting like you Darvish and Blake Snell are like Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling of old on the Diamondbacks is, is, is wrong. And that's kind of what the media is doing right now. Uh, and it's, it, they're just not that at all. They're not, they're good acquisitions, uh, but they're no Johnson and Schilling. Well, they got to create something going on here because the Dodgers have dominated the NL West for, like we were saying, eight eight seasons and, and even beyond that too. So they really needed to do something. And I think a lot of the reporters out there are getting really, really jacked up because the Padres are a fun team to watch and they love Fernando Tatis Jr. And they love Machado. And so this is a huge deal so that they, so that they can take out the, you know, the bad guys, the Dodgers. Yeah, I just want to put one thing in, into perspective before we move on real quick. From 2013 to 2019, I'm just going to do full seasons here. The Dodgers never finished below a 91-win total. Every year they had at least 91 wins, and they won over 100 twice. In that same span, the rest of the NL West combined, those four teams won over 90 games twice. Combined. Arizona in 2017 and Colorado in 2018 it's time it's 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 about time the Dodgers finally got some competition uh you know it's they they got to prove it the Padres got to prove it they got to put up or shut up uh but it's about time I'm excited for this and the Padres 2021 team right now as it stands is still not scarier than those 2017 Diamondbacks I would agree my my opinion So these are the kind of questions I like. They're just to the point. Thank you, David Tremblay at Sporting Life underscore. Do the Dodgers need to counter? 
No. They don't need to counter, but would we like them to counter to shut all these fans up? Yes. Would would it be nice to get someone like Chris Bryant or DJ LeMahieu? Yes. Would it be nice to get Blake Trinan back and sign Justin Turner, which I think signing Justin Turner is more likely than those other moves that I mentioned? Yes. But do they need to do that? No. Because as it stands right now, the Dodgers have a better team than, than the Padres. They're the reigning World Series champions. And I don't care, like David said, I don't care what the Padres do. The Dodgers are, are still going to be in a better position if they do absolutely nothing. Yeah, my answer is no as well, but it's, it's with a caveat. The Dodgers are going to do something. They're going to address third base, whether it be Justin Turner, LeMahieu, Bryant, or it's not going to be Arenado, but I'll say his name to humor you guys at home. Uh, they're going to do something, but this is not a counter at all. Andrew Friedman has his noise-canceling headphones on right now, not paying attention to anything else. He's going to operate what he was going to do regardless of what the Padres did uh, because he's going to run his team the way he always has. He's not going to address anything because, ooh, the scary Padres got Blake Snell and you Darvish. No, he's going to do what's best for the Dodgers in 2021 and what's best for the Dodgers moving forward. So, no, it's not a counter. Uh, but, yes, he's going to do something. Yeah, there's, there's one guy I want the most, which is Chris Bryant, but – I also want, if we can't get him for whatever reason, DJ LeMahieu. And I even want him more than Justin Turner. But I'll say with a with a asterisk in a second. Last season, he was phenomenal with the Yankees. I mean, let's not sleep on this guy. 364 average, 421 on base, 1.011 OPS. And against Blake Snell, he's 6 for 14 lifetime with a 556 on base percentage. Small sample size, but I'll take it. Even last season in 2019 with the Yankees, 375 on base percentage, 100 RBIs, 26 home runs. This guy's a gamer. And even in the postseason, you can tell this guy's a gamer. And what I like about LeMahieu is you can plug him all over the infield, you know, plug him in at third base, second base, even first base. Love, I just love the versatility. But if he wants five years, 100 million or 125 million, that's just too much. And that's that's George Springer type money right there. And, you know, but I do think the Dodgers could possibly get him for four years, 75, four years, 80 million. I'm not going to rule that out because I not think happening. I honestly, if if he was going to get what he's asking for, I think a team would have already paid him because really, what is there to wait for? There's there's no good free agents out there other than Springer and Rio Muto. And um, so I think that that's what I want. Th- the Dod- it'll be very telling to see who the Dodgers get, whether it's DJ LeMahieu or Justin Turner. Let's just put those two names out there for right now because what it'll tell me is how highly or how ready they think Gavin Lux and Cody Hosey are. Because if you get a guy like DJ LeMahieu and you lock him up for five years, $100 million, that may put a roadblock in front of either Lux or Cody Hosey. But if you get someone like Justin Turner or even trade for Chris Bryant for, you know, uh, he, I guess he's got one year left on his deal, then it makes the transition a little easier. So it, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. You know, the Dodgers are not going to get DJ LeMahieu unless they outbid the Yankees. Uh, everyone's saying the Yankees and, and LeMahieu are about one year, 25 million apart, uh, which makes me think he want he think he wants that five year, $125 million deal whereas the Yankees are at around four years, hundred million. Uh, so they're going to be, the Yankees want him back. It's no secret. He's, he's their priority. Number one. 
Uh, and I don't see Andrew Friedman budging or outbidding anyone. I think he's going to set his offer, uh, you know, dig his, dig his heels in and move on if, if that's not in the cards. The Dodgers have the leverage. I've said this before. They have the leverage over all of these free agents, which is like we were saying, they don't need to do any of these moves. So the leverage is with is and the advantage is with the Dodgers. And boy, growing up as a Dodgers fan to get to this point in our lives where we aren't really sweating the off season like we normally do. It's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees still have to pay for pitching, so we'll see how that works out. I know the media wants them to to link, but there's always that New York bias. But let me just add one last thing. You know, David Vasse, yeah, I'm name-dropping him. I said I wouldn't. Came on TV and the radio today saying, as recent as last night, the Dodgers and LeMayu have been in talks, and this isn't the first time that we've heard this name pop up with the Dodgers interested. It seems like it's happening on a weekly basis since the offseason has began that the Dodgers just continue to check in on LeMahieu, maybe because he's not getting what he wants from the, those other teams. But this kind of reminds me of AJ Pollock two seasons ago. We just kept hearing like there's rumors of Dodgers interested in AJ Pollock. And then what do you know, mid January, they didn't get Bryce Harper because Bryce Harper wanted Bryce Harper money. And so they went to AJ Pollock. So I kind of think this could be a similar path where we just kept hearing these two kind of flirting with each other and then just out of the blue we're going to get the notification on our phone LeMahieu to the Dodgers but let's see how that works out but Chris Bryant you know if the Cubs are willing to give this guy up for nothing then they need to check themselves in the mirror because I honestly think the Dodgers could fleece this team even if they give up like Mitch White or Dennis Santana I just heard an expert on television this morning he said that after looking at this Darvish trade, the Cubs would be lucky to get a fringe prospect in exchange for Chris Bryant. And I know he's had some injury troubles and all that, even in 2020, but this guy destroys left-handed pitching. And if Friedman wants a right-handed bat who can play third base and the outfield, how do you pass up an opportunity for a lifetime 301 hitter, 410 on base, 986 OPS hitter who's won an MVP, won a World Series in Chris Bryant. Like, how do you pass that up? Completely agree. Uh, I, the Dodgers have tons of mid-level prospects, low-level prospects. They can trade for Chris Bryant for a one-year rental. Put him at third. Put him in left. They're probably going to lose Jock Peterson, so you can easily play him in left, even if you re-sign Justin Turner. You give JT some days off there. You can put Bryant at first. You can put him at third. You can put him in the outfield. Uh, it just makes too much sense. Uh, this is the guy for sure that makes sense. Not going to cost. You don't have to sign to a big contract. You don't have to give up a ton of prospects. Uh, this has Andrew Friedman's name written all over it. Uh, and if anything is, I think this is by far the most likely uh, trade that could go through way more than Arenado, way more than Lindor, way more than any of these other guys. Uh, I think the possibility of signing Turner and trading for Bryant is, is pretty high. Oh yeah. I'd love that too. I, and, and playing Bryant in left field is, is a great um, advantage to having him on your team. And like we were discussing with the Cubs, it looks like they're just giving up everybody for nobody. So w why not? And I'm sure Andrew Freeman is not only going to kick the tires, but really talk seriously with the Cubs and see how he can, he can get them. And if we, we don't have to give up big prospects to get him, let, you know, why not? Yeah, I mean, they, we traded Andy Pages. I, I think that could be a name that could be in that trade. 
uh, young, controllable. We, we basically already traded him to the Angels, but got him back. Uh, there's a ton of guys like that that could be in that trade and, and no harm, no foul on the Dodgers farm system. Yeah, perfect stopgap for Cody Hosey or whoever they want to be in third base in the near future. This is an interesting question for Mandalay 5. Does a Corey Seager trade involving Lindor and other components seem more likelier because of San Diego's aggressive activity to try and overtake the Dodgers? I'll start here. Zero percent chance. They're not trading for Lindor. They're not going to trade Corey Seager either. Uh, they're just not. That's just not going to happen. I-, I could see them making a run at Lindor in free agency after this past after this next season. Uh, but I-, I just don't think that's in Friedman the cards. Friedman never panics. Doesn't matter what state you know what stage the Dodgers are in. He's always really patient. He doesn't panic, and he doesn't make moves based off other clubs. Yep. And, and that, and that's just a, a, a great general manager, like great, ba- you know, VP of baseball, president of baseball operations. Like that is what you want in someone. And uh, Friedman has the luxury uh, not only because he has the uh, financial backing, but his team just won the world series. He's got a stacked farm system and he can literally do whatever he wants, but he's not going to do something dumb and rush to judgment or, you know, rush to make a bunch of trades like the Padres do every other year. It seems, I mean, do you guys remember the 2014 off season? It was insane that the Padres, the Padres got traded for Matt Kemp. They traded for Will Middlebrooks, Justin Upton. They signed Brandon Morrow. They got Will Myers. They got Derek Norris, the catcher. They signed Josh Johnson and James Shields, and they traded for Craig Kimball and Melvin Upton Jr. What did that do? Nothing. So You know what it did is they cost them Max Freed. Uh, yes. Max Freed was traded in that Justin Upton trade who could be on the Padres right now. Maybe they don't have to trade for Snell. Maybe they don't have to trade for Darvish. So, you know, we I think we'll see some of these repercussions from all the, from this Snell trade probably in a few years too. We'll be talking about that. Do you want to read the Rodrigo Jones question in Vietnamese? Uh, yes, I do. I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now. If you want to read it, feel free. I don't, yeah, I can't translate. So, but okay, wait. I actually do have it. Okay. Okay. So this this question was written to us in Vietnamese. It's not really a question, but it is very insightful. So I'm going to read it. It's, I'm not going to attempt to read it in Vietnamese. This is the translation. Yes, please read the English translation. <laughs> it translated, it says, never say everything you know. Never believe everything you hear. So I don't know what to think of that. I but mean, it, it, it kind of makes you think. It's certainly a good life lesson, if for nothing else. You know, I think this is uh, kind of the theme of what we've been talking about. He's basically saying, don't buy into the Padres hype. They have to prove it. You know, the media wants us to think that you Darvish and Snell are phenomenal pickups, but whatever he was saying beforehand, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's someone's burner account or maybe that guy's just like super insightful and trying to like impart life lessons on us, which I appreciate. Uh, but I, I like, that was maybe my favorite. Not, it's not really a question, but it's kind of a statement. And I, I, I like that. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to keep thinking about that until I figure it out. Yeah. All right. I think it's time to, close out the show here let's get your guys final thoughts it's been a slow off season but the Padres are certainly making things a little more interesting 
Yeah, the Padres are the Padres are are desperate. And if they had any confidence in their team in 2020, they wouldn't have to make all of these moves. That's what this tells me, that they don't have confidence in the roster that they have. Everybody in San Diego, all their fans, they they love to rave about their team and how they're a fun team to watch and how they celebrated when they made the playoffs and then made fun of us or criticized the Dodgers for winning a fake World Series title. You can't have it both ways, but obviously the, the Padres front office felt that they didn't have the squad to compete with the Dodgers, and so they needed to go out and make these moves. They didn't give up a lot to get these guys, but again, these guys aren't as reliable as everyone says they are. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's good for the Padres. I think these moves are, are good moves for now. Uh, they're in win-now win mode. I think they had to do something, and they did. So credit to Preller, credit to the Padres for, for trying to finally compete with the Dodgers uh, because they got embarrassed in the NLDS. They did. There's no other way to put it. Uh, they tried to do this, this move with Clevenger. That didn't work out. Uh, Lamette was hurt. Paddock is trash. Uh, so they had to do this. They, they had to. So credit to them. Hats off. Uh, I look forward to this rivalry. I really do. Uh, and I look forward to dunking on Padres fans online for the foreseeable future as well. And just really quickly, if I'm a Padres fan, I'm feeling great right now. I mean, my my general manager, my front office went out and got players that we needed and sort of just said, hey, we care about you guys. We want to put a product on the field field that's going to compete with the Dodgers so if I'm a Padres fan I'm feeling great right now but we'll have to see what happens when they uh when they take the field the Dodgers are still the team to beat let me make that clear as well oh. the Dodgers are should be and are World Series favorites until the Padres can unseat them that will be the case Dodgers have nothing to worry about stay calm Andrew Friedman's got this I'm glad you brought up rivalry because I do think there is a small rivalry and you, you know my favorite one is when the Dodgers hit four home runs consecutively against the Padres and then Nomar walked it off the next inning and then, you know, I know we had Hunter Renfro hit a grand slam off Jansen, but this season we had that awesome play where Chris Taylor threw out Grisham at home plate. So, And then Bellinger in the yeah, playoffs. In the playoffs, of course, we swept them, wasn't even close, as we predicted. So let's see how it works out in 2021. But we'll be back with more offseason talk, of course. Hope you all have a good and happy New Year's. Thank you for listening to The Incline, and we're out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.